When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dale Comstock, Joe Tedai. What the fuck's up, guys? Hey, hey man. I'm cussing. Did you just say that? What? Yeah, you can fucking cuss, Dale. God damn it. Yeah, no buzzwords. Yeah, no buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah, no, I always, and I always, I always feel like I'm neutering myself. And I'm like, you can't say that word. There's just. I'm so hey, ashamed. Welcome to socialism. Yeah, man. I know. Dude. I'm from New. I'm from New Hampshire, man. So live free or die. So I, I'm personally betraying my bloodline when I'm like, hey, you can't say that word. <laughs> it's like I need to switch this flag out with a, a the CCP flag. Like all hail oh, the state. Lord. Yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, Joe. Yes, sir. You're on Dual Survivor, right? Yeah, man. All right. Uh, three seasons of Dual Survival. Yep. And um. Yeah, what what is what is your uh, military background? So I uh, started right out of high school, went right in the Marines uh, ten days after I graduated high school, and um, spent uh, four years in the Marines. Um, went to infantry school and then straight to Second Force Recon. Was there for three years. I went to Third Recon Battalion. I, I was kind of disenchanted, dude, with the Marines. No, nothing against the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. but like I had uh, certain visions about Spec Ops and stuff. And unfortunately, at that time, there wasn't MARSOC. Yeah. And so there was only one force recon company, the entire Marine Corps. Yeah. And that was in uh, Lejeune and French Creek. So, uh, so I got out and then I went back in army SF and then, um, was 18 Bravo. And, um, right when I was getting ready to ETS, um, I got an invite to, um, join this, a government agency, um, counterterrorist unit. And that's Dale and I actually served in the same unit. So, did that for a while and then uh punched out and then uh went from there being on tv which was kind of crazy because yeah. there was a time where if you would have taken a picture of me somebody would have you went why are you taking a picture of that guy yeah and next thing i'm on national tv so it was i went from black to black to white to white yeah you know? yeah yeah <laughs> when, yeah it went from like yeah to like and action to like so you're gonna yeah. need to leave the premises now like this Pretty did much. not ha- this did not happen <laughs> yeah um so so is that was that Delta or was that the other one? No, so Dale was a Delta. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a Delta. It was a, a government. So basically the, the legal term that I can OGA. say is I was in a government counter-terrorist unit. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. We don't need, we don't need to go deeper into that. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Yeah. And Dale was there. Actually, Dale was there before I was. And so, um, but yeah, Dale could probably talk a little bit more like as far as like Dude, it was a really, uh, I mean, I know guys that served in Delta and like SEAL Team 6, once they get out, they can, you know, tell people that they served in those units. Um, obviously, while they're serving there, they can't. But the unit that Dale and I served in, it's pretty much secrecy for life. Yeah, that's that's it, dude. It's It was that black. Yeah, and so, Dale will tell you. I mean, and tell him, he's been on both sides of the yeah, fence. So. Yeah, so, um, so when my podcast blows up, can uh, I hire y'all as my security detail so I can talk shit to everyone? No more buzzwords. I'll be like, come at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can work something out, dude. Yeah. yeah no. uh, you know, Joe's, uh, you know, to Joe's point, you know, it's uh, my dad used to always call the alphabet company. 
Uh, it's like everybody's afraid to say the, the real name. So whatever, you know, um, you know, and you, we are kind of, we are held to non-disclosure agreements, things like that. Um, we are told what we can say. You know, the funny part is everybody <clears throat> that was overseas with us, they know exactly who we were. Okay. Even though we were in a fake name or whatever, so yeah. come back to the States, they're not held to those same non-disclosure agreements. Right. Yeah. They can say whatever they want about us. And so that's actually happened. <clears throat> it actually happened to me on national TV. I got called out, um, on, uh, on the opening of a big show and, uh, I won't mention the name, but uh, the host, but basically she introduced me as being part of this organization. And I'm like, holy crap, man. So at at that point I had, uh, I had an invitation to come back anytime I wanted to, but as soon as she did that, pretty much she locked that door forever for me. So I wasn't, I wasn't that mad. I was kind of like glad because I didn't want to keep going back, you know, drinking from the well. I mean, it was a good job. It was, you know, um, very 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 dangerous job in fact uh, i would tell you that uh, it was as dangerous or maybe even more dangerous than um, any special forces or delta mission i've ever been on and uh, the only reason why is because you know we uh basically we operated down range as one or two other americans um and and we were surrounded by um you know uh, guys that we hired locally indigenous guys who do the the pipe hitting for us and with us so um, you were basically out there on your own all the time and doing the same thing where, you know, the regular army, you know, the big army and special forces and others, you know, they had, you know, they had a hell of a uh, support apparatus behind them, medical, air support, et cetera, whereas you were out there on your own, man, and uh, whatever you had with you, that's that's what you had with you. It's kind of like my my uh, mission in Yemen where I was downrange with, uh, you know, 11, 11 mercenaries all total, you know, um, French foreign legionnaires, a couple seals, Australians, and me, and uh, we had no backside support. We had nobody to get us out if we got in trouble. We had no QRF, no air support. We had nada, man. Whatever we had on us, that's that's what we had to fight with and survive with. So that's kind of the organization that we kind of that Joe and I did work for, and uh, and so you know it's one of those things. Um, you know, for me, it, I got to account for nine and a half years of my life yeah. um, if I go out and get an employment, and uh, you know it makes things kind of tricky. But, um, so anyways, you know, <laughs> you know, I remember when I was, ta- when I was in Delta, um, when I was going through training, we went through basically tradecraft training or something called street craft. Basically it's, you know, how to, you know, how to avoid detection, you know, avoid surveillance, pick up surveillance, those types of things, how to do, you know, you know, dead drops and, and secret messaging and things like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we were, we were given a cover story and we were, and I remember my instructor, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but uh, older guy, he kind of grumpy guy. And I remember he said, he basically he said the cover story is nothing but a, his words were a GD lie, right? He goes, yeah. nothing but a goddamn lie. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, and we're teaching you to lie. He goes, that's your part of your yeah. job, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, that's what you have to do. Uh, you know, as a working for the government, we were trained to lie. Yeah. You know, and it was for a reason yeah. you know, for operational security and those types of things. But anyways, so that just a little bit to kind of expand on what Joe was saying uh, about our backgrounds, but I'll let Joe take it from here. Yeah. It was funny because everybody, you know, they think it's cool traveling and alias and all this stuff. Dude, let me tell you something, man. That freaking sucks. Because <laughs> you check into a hotel somewhere and you're used to signing your name and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I need another piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> and you crumble that one up and, you know, so it was a, I gotta tell you, I, I didn't come from uh, where Dale did, but um, I can tell you what it did for me uh, personally is it bumped my game way up because, like, 
when I uh, when I got picked up and I went through the, the whole process, you know, you know, I only had a secret clearance. You had to have a TSSCI mm-hmm. with a polygraph. And I was told when I got there, you know, 50% of the guys don't even pass the polygraph. Jesus. So, yeah, and they wanted to have a minimum of 10 years in a soft unit, blah, blah, blah. I mean, all the stuff was being told me. It was like, well, I'm not going to make it, but I'm going to give it my best shot, you know? Because we had guys like Dale and guys from, you know, SEAL Team 6 showing up. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't, you know, I wasn't in those units. But what it did for me uh, from a mental aspect is it really kicked my game up, man. Yeah. So when I was actually, I made it all the way through, got my, my security clearance did my board interview, you know, all this other crap, these gates that they called it. And then my class picked up um, and um, I went through a, you know, a six month operator course and it was all the stuff that Dale was telling you. And, and then some, um, a lot of shooting packages, a lot of very specific schools uh, that teach you very specific um, skill sets that um, somebody that was doing what we were doing would need far outside of what a regular vanilla soft unit would need to know um so anyway you know and then of course you go to the shooting schools and all that stuff and it really from a from an operational perspective for me it really bumped me way up the food chain um because you know i had a you know i had a pretty big chip on my shoulder man because i see these guys i'm working with you know been in delta like dale and guys are in seal team six and stuff and you know, they're at the tip of the spear and I'm like, all right. And, you know, by the time it was all said and done, you know, not pack myself on the back, but, you know, I was out shooting 90% of the guys. As a matter of fact, I went to one of uh, Jerry Barnhart's courses. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you, if you go to one of Jerry's uh, courses, he'll at the very end, see everybody shoots and then you'll do like a competition. And at the end of the day, whoever wins gets one of these hats and they're very sought after the blacks mm-hmm. got a black flag and on the back it says uh, Barnhart performance. And I actually won two of them. And so I was like, like, yeah, man. Like, so it, it my confidence, yeah. bro, you know what it was? It was, a, it was my lack of confidence, even though it was a former Marine and Green Bray, but it was just, di- it was a different level, man. Cause everybody there were rock stars. Yeah. You know, I remember going through one of the courses, like Dale was saying, I can't remember this dude's name. Same thing. It was kind of a grumpy older guy. Uh, he was a former, uh, Yosemite Sam. He was like an MI5 guy. And he's like, you know what? You think you're good enough to be here? And I said, yeah, I think I'm good enough. He says, well, guess what? We don't need good. We need great. Yeah. And I was like, Damn. oh, shit. I'm just going to shut the hell up from now on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but it was a great experience. I got to do a lot of things that I never thought in a million years I would get to do in special operations. Not in my most wildest dreams. And uh, it was only because that unit, um, that's what their mission was. Uh, Dale's right. You're out there flapping by yourself. You know, they used to say you're a yo-yo. You're on your own. Hmm. You know. You know. You get you get hemmed up somewhere. Uh, Joe, who? Yeah. Never plausible deniability. Like button. Yeah. We don't never know heard. who that so is. Yeah. A lot of guys didn't dig that because they came from SF and the SEALs and stuff. We're like, we well, don't leave anybody behind. Well, let me tell you something. And that game, black your ops, yeah. mode grass. If you get hemmed up somewhere, dude. So. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, great opportunity. Got to work with guys like Dale. Dale and I have been friends for a long time. I learned a lot from the guy. And uh, so, yeah, it took me to a whole different level in my operational capabilities. And, you know, that gets back to, you know, what Dale and I are doing now with, you know, Tier 1 Performance Coaching is because we have all these unique experiences at a very, very high level. We've seen great leaders and shitty leaders, and we've seen what happens when you know, you, you heap stress on somebody and, you know, do you have the right mindset? You know, it goes on and on and on. And, and it's, there's coaches out there right now. And I hate to say this, they're coaching from a purely 
like book smart yeah experience like what the fuck like yeah. really what are you gonna teach me you, you went to some course and you got some certification from joe blow on how to be a performance coach yeah yeah I mean, give me a break what have you done yeah. what have you done personally yeah to teach me how to perform better if you haven't done nothing shut up yeah it's, because i can learn nothing from you right Dale, yeah. i don't know what do you think uh, so that's yeah we're always scratching our head wondering how I, we're seeing these courses, <clears throat> basically people offering um, coaching certification courses, 30 days, pay pay your 25 bucks and we'll make a certified life coach. <laughs> how does that work? Because how do you, and, I, and I've actually coached other people that were uh, certified coaches through Tony Robbins and they all admit it's like they didn't, you know, they got, they, they were not able to go anywhere with it because you know what, it's hard to speak it's hard to teach when you don't have confidence and where does confidence come from? Confidence comes from experience, yeah. right? Um, you know, and, uh, what did, what did Einstein say, Joe, um, about the only uh, source of knowledge is experience. Exactly. Right. So if you don't have that experience, what are you going to do? Teach from a book, you know, but somebody right. else said works and, uh, and, and we do teach, you know, a lot of, you know, the, uh, the academic stuff that supports the science stuff that supports, you know, the experiential stuff. Um, so we go in a lot of different areas, but, uh, again, to Joe's point, you know, I, I asked the same question, how can you teach me to be a, a better me? If you yourself are not better than me, if you, you know, what have you done that's better than me? And, and by the way, being good at just one thing, um, you know, anybody can be good at one thing, right? So, I mean, almost everybody is good at something, at least one thing. The key is, can you be good at everything that you do? Hmm. Um, and that's the difference between what, what I, Joe and I do and have done and compared to other guys out there. Other guys are what I call one trick ponies. You know, they, yeah. they got, they got one, they got one, they got one magic show. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. Like, that's, that's it. They got one that's trick. I got, you know, yeah. and so, you know, that's the difference. So, um, we're trying to bring this to another level. Um, you know, continue to, build off of what I've been doing for the last three years, what my daughter's actually been doing for the last six years. Basically, she's a performance coach as well. Uh, and basically, you know, we're, we're all together, we're developing this program to take, take it to another level because, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're not into this to do it for free because we need to make a living too. Yeah. This is how we make our living. Yeah. But uh, we actually believe that, you know what, we're going to give you something that has value, more value than probably a lot of, you know, going to college and buying a, a college degree for four years and coming back with nothing out of it. Um, we're going to give you something you can use right now, literally um, overnight. It's, if you apply the principles we start teaching, you'll start seeing changes. And uh, and it's, it's really the reason why Joe and I have succeeded is for the very reasons that, for the very things that we're going to teach. Um, and I've actually been doing this for a you know, I didn't know I was doing it. Joe didn't know he was doing it either. Uh, I didn't know I was doing it since, you know, for until around the age of 15, I discovered that something is going on here and I figured out a way to break this code. <clears throat> um, and basically, um, and then it wasn't until a little bit old, when I got older when I was 22, that I started really doing the research on this, 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 you know, these ideas of um, performance coaching, onogenic conditioning, et cetera. Mm. And I realized that this actually had a, this was actually a thing that works. Yeah. And so Joe is, you know, unwittingly has applied these same principles, um, but he's learned now as well to, you know, to put a name to it. Yeah. Okay. This is what it looks like. This is what it is. This is what it looks like. This is what we call it. And this is how it works. Right. And a lot of successful people out there have done the same thing. They don't know it. Right. Mm. People have done very well for themselves, athletes, et cetera. 
you, and you, you're an autogenic conditioning fan. Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of guys don't even know they're doing it, and but they know they they succeeded somehow. And I was that guy. Yeah. You know, people say, "How did you do all this stuff?" I don't know. And I thought about, it. I was like, "Oh, yeah, I know why yeah. I did not." Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. No, it's. I mean, I always had you know, I always had friends ask me that. I started working out in middle school when I was in eighth grade. I decided I wanted to invest, and I wasn't even eighteen, so I had my parents open me an E Trade account, and I worked for a summer, and I invested in Apple because I thought iPods are cool. I turned a grand into 16 grand. When you're 18, that you're like a millionaire. Um, and then, so Joe, you were talking about, you know, like chip on your shoulder. So I was a meathead all my life, man. I had three brilliant brothers. I was an idiot. And I got to college. I was an idiot frat boy my first year at some shitty school in South Georgia. And uh, I almost failed out. I was so stupid. And my sophomore year, I literally remember I was moving into a frat house and I was sitting there and I was just like, man, I'm on a fast track to flipping burgers. And I was like, I just need to start studying. And so I started, I literally stopped drinking and smoking pot like that night and just started studying nonstop around the clock and got A's for the first time in my life, transferred to the University of Georgia. And like you're saying, well, now everyone was much smarter than me. I was like, right now I'm not at this stupid idiot school. Now I'm at, there's some smart guys here. Well, I just kept studying and studying and studying 4.0, 4.0. I published research, this dumb meathead, the effects of salinity on nickel toxicity to the two urohaline fish species Cryptolepidus marmoratus and Heteroclitus fungulus. That's the thing I published. Already then. Yeah, that's what I published. Started studying for the MCAT, a score in the uh, 95th.6th percentile of the MCAT. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive, dude. Where I was interviewing University of uh, Keck School of Medicine in LA, Tulane in New Orleans, Miller School of Medicine in Miami, the chip on the shoulder. I was looking around there, you know, so they'd have groups of like 10 interviewees and, you know, some like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like men in black where they put all the, uh, the interviewees in the one room, you kind of sizing each other up, you know, I'd be sitting there just kind of like looking at everyone, you know, just like trying to make small talk and they, you have your name tags. And so they'd go in, the Dean would read your names, you know, it's this and, you know, Harvard university, Harvard university, Stanford university, Harvard university, Yale, Harvard university of georgia and i'll be like go dogs but like it was just <laughs> but it was just me and i was like but then i i would get accepted and like these other kids wouldn't and to me that was the biggest flip in confidence where all of a sudden it was oh shit i can roll with them like don't let anything yeah. else t-. but so to, to bring back on everything i was saying autogenic conditioning so i never knew what it was it was just you know i'd done things before i was uh, i would i'd successes in my life before but really the i said the one i'm most proud of was the turn from meathead to getting into medical school decided not to go but i got in got the acceptance 115,000 applied 150 got in i got in so like decided not yeah decided not to go but for me so you know when i was living in a frat house and you know i was an idiot overweight idiot drinking and smoking you know didn't know you know didn't know one plus one was so what I started to do is I'd exercise in the morning and every day I'd meditate and it just helped me for anxiety. But I didn't realize till years later that there was a a method to what I was doing. But what I would do is like, it wasn't just like, okay, I have to get 4.0s. It would be like, what is it gonna be like to like, to get a 4.0? Be like, what is that feeling? Not just I get a 4.0. What's that feeling of like closing the laptop in December and being like 4.0, okay, now let's go get fucked up. Like, and I, you know, I'd feel the emotions. I'd be like, what's it gonna be like? You know, telling my parents, telling my brothers who are all smart. Like, and then, you know, as even as the years went on, I vividly remember nine months before I took the MCAT, just 
meditating one day and I was like, just like, what will it be like? How's it going to feel? How am I going to make it happen? I have nine months to do it. I can do it. And even with this podcast, setting it up, it was just, it was always visualization. It was always feel it. And it was always tell myself it's going to happen. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Tell myself it's going to happen. And it wasn't until I, I, I read uh, Dale's book, and I, as you remember, Dale, I emailed you. I was like, holy fuck, I never knew anyone else did. Because whenever I'd bring it up to anyone, I'd be like, I'd be like do you guys ever meditate or focus on something? They'd look at me like, the fuck, man? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, and I don't know. I was just kidding. you know. Like, And I read Dale's book, and I was like, finally, because the only other people that had ever said, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'd be like, well, I don't really want to be associated with you guys because they'd be, you know, the long hair dropping acid. Like, it's all about visualization. And, like, hey, I'm not harping on psychedelics. I enjoy them. But I was like, God damn it. Like, they're not, I can't really, that doesn't give me any credibility. And then there's Dale. And I was like, here's the most hardcore motherfucker on the planet. And Dale's talking about visualization, seeing it before it's here, telling yourself that it's here, not worrying about how it will get here. And I was like, I was like, validation. After 29 years, I was like, validation. Here's the antithesis of like the hippie. <clears throat> hippie. It's fucking Dale Comstock. And I was like, it works, man. Yeah. It, yeah. And then he told me about you. And I was like, oh, holy fuck. I feel less crazy. I know I'm going on a rant, but even I, I read Space Barons. It's about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. They don't talk right. about it specifically, but the one thing they do talk about unwittingly is they're like, yeah. And Bezos and uh, Musk, they both have this thing where like, you'll always see them like they'll be having a meeting and they'll, and they'll just close their eyes in silence for like 10 minutes and everyone will be looking around and then they'll open their eyes and they'll be like buy this company or like nope fire him or get these lawyers and it's like what did they do and it's like they say they go ahead in time and they see and i'm like billionaires are saying that story dude i uh, i've been reading about the gentleman and he deserves every penny that he has because yeah. let me tell you that guy had a really high paying job that he walked away from you know, a high paying job yeah. that most of us would be like, Oh, you know, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I'm saying yeah. walked away from it, started Amazon in his, in his garage yeah. and look at it. So I hear people busting on that guy all the time. You know, he's just fucking jealous. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they are. No, they're, the bo- they're bottom feeders. The Cause he took a risk. He left a high paying job. He had a vision and, and he made it happen. Hustled. Huh? He yeah, hustled. He made it happen. Kudos. You know, Mr. Yeah. Bezos, if you're watching, you're the freaking man. Yeah, okay? no, fuck communists, dude. I fucking hate and, all and those. Comment, what, yeah. what you were saying earlier, what you were describing, you know, it's it really is frequency. It's actually there's yes. a thing called success frequency. It's actually real energy, real frequency. It's thinking on a different. It's like I think we mentioned this before. It's like turning the dial on your radio mm. and looking for a different type of you know tuning you in hear opera. You want to hear you know rap, whatever, yeah. right? And you're changing frequency until you get there. And actually, when you think about it. Um, you know, depending on the frequency that you change, you you might get to like elevator music, and that might make you relax, right? Yeah. But if you want to get really jacked up, you flip it to you know some you know whatever heavy Death metal, metal. Or, yeah. You know whatever, and, you know, and you're fired up. And it's the frequency, the vibration, etc. Right? Um, it actually ties into the law of vibration, the universal laws. So, um, with all that said, actually, again, uh, Einstein said, yeah. it, you know, he said there's actually a success frequency. He said if you want to be if you want to be who you want to be, you want to be all that you can be, you have to get on that success frequency. Yeah. You have to ratchet up to that level, right? And you yeah. mentioned that yeah. these guys meditating, studying. That's what that is. Um, Joe and I are basically what our program has just, you know, yeah. put this out there is 
what we're pushing is this is this is proprietary. Um, nobody else has this. Nobody else does this. Nobody else knows it the way we do. It's called psychosoma training. Okay. What I call mind-body engineering. So it's connecting the mind and the body to work together, right through frequencies. And so um, that's the key to success. Um, I saw a, a, an ad yesterday on Facebook, and it, and it was uh, uh, promoting um, alpha. Uh, I think it was alpha mind or something like that, right? Alpha waves, right? Alpha, and yeah. so, and they're saying you can take a pill and it gives you the alpha waves. And I, I, I call, I call bull, bullshit on yeah. that. You can't take a pill to get alpha waves, right? To make you a superhuman. Um, it's really the, the energy that you have is is um, is derived from within. You generate it from within, mm. right? And and basically, it, whether it's good energy, positive energy, negative energy, whatever kind of energy it is, it's gonna dictate uh the direction that you go um we can get into this all day long i don't want to go into all the what we're doing but you to the point um that you made earlier um you know success really is not just dependent on you know i got a positive mindset i'm going to do this um it's methodology and you already know that it's thinking a certain way you actually made some you actually said it a few seconds ago there was visualizing it in the here and now and actually feeling it sensing it as well as saying you know is is a positive uh, affirmations mm. that's part of this whole process right so um and that's where we're going with this thing with what we're doing is we're, we're delivering that piece plus there's a lot of uh, ancillary supporting type uh, um uh, tenants that, that, that we build in this thing for example you know i talk a little, joe and i talk a lot about leadership right um you can't you know if you want to be successful You've got to be able to lead yourself. And what does that mm-hmm. mean, right? So we really dig deep in that one, self-leadership, right? Um, and, and not to be confused with leading other people, it's leading yourself, right? So it, it means developing certain habits, et cetera, et cetera, and a certain mindset. Um, so anyways, you know, Joe, uh, by the way, you mentioned something a minute ago about uh, investing. So Joe, believe it or not, was a, a Wall Street investor too, among his other things. So tell me about that story, Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, man. So in between my uh, my Marine Corps and Army career, so I got out of the Marines, and I had a cousin that lived in Vegas. He was a percussionist mm-hmm. with Wayne Newton. Oh and shit! So uh, I was getting out, and I ended up calling him. I was real close to him. He's like, "Hey, man, why don't you come and hang out in Vegas for?" I'm like, "Shit." Yeah. I'm twenty. I'm twenty one years old. You know. Yeah. Off to Vegas I went. So I left Okinawa, Japan, flew to. Uh, Las Vegas and long story short after about you know six months I ran out of money and uh, and so I met this woman and I was started dating her and she worked for she was a stockbroker and um, she said to me one day she's like why don't you become a stockbroker I said look I, I haven't even been to college yeah you know, I barely graduated high school she's like you don't have to have a college degree yeah I'm like really she's like well you do have to pass pass a very hard test the series 7 yeah. and the 63 and I said, oh boy, it's a lot of math. And she's like, yeah, a lot. I'm like, oh boy, that's like my worst subject in school. Like, yeah. you know, whatever, trigonometry, can't even spell it. Yeah. But anyway, it wasn't even that. It was, you know, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, you know, percentages and that yeah. shit. But anyway, long story short, so I uh, I told her, I said, I don't even have the money to go to the course. It was at UNLV, the University yeah. of Nevada, Las Vegas. It was called the Longman course. And so like you had to buy books and stuff. She's like, look, I'll loan you the money. You know, I know you'll do well. I'll, I'll you know, I'll tutor you. So anyway, I go to this course, right? Study was the most boringest shit. Dude. I literally stood through probably 90% of our lectures. Like, cause I was just like this the whole time. So I was a standard splash of water on my face doing the old school stand up if you're falling asleep. Right? Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I take the test and I pass the first time. Woo. 
which which is unheard of. Like they say, like 80% of the people don't pass the first time. Well, the Bear Stearns said, if you pass the first time, we'll give you a thousand dollar bonus and all this other stuff. So anyway, I paid her back and I was a stockbroker for five years. And so I ended up getting my registered investment advisor license as well. Um, you know, I was mildly successful. You know, I was, uh, let's see, 23, I would say I got it at 22. Yeah, I was like 23 and, you know, I was rocking and rolling. I was making like 75 grand a year yeah. back then. That, dude, like you said, I was like, whoa. Yeah, 20 year millionaire. Yeah, I'm a billionaire, right? So I uh, lived in Vegas, you know, partying hard, all thing. But anyway, I, I learned a lot about the market. Um, I still trade to this day by myself. You know, I, I've traded cyber currencies. And so it was a great um, learning uh, experience for me. But what it did, again, like Dale and I talk about this all the time. You take all these tools mm. that you just gathered along your life. I picked up a wrench and a hammer and a screwdriver. Well, I got to tell you, man, I remember this dude's name to this day. And, and i tell you, he was one of my mentors. His name was Mark Berenger. And I'll tell you right now, this dude could sell a freaking ketchup icicle to a lady in white gloves. And I swear to you, brother, this guy was the consummate salesman. So I learned a lot about the sales process. And it is a process. Yeah. And back in the day, dude, like you were like hand dialing. You had to make Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Swear to you. 400 calls a day yeah before you could get up and leave yeah i believe you. So it was an interesting part of my life but i was the i was the round peg in a square hole mm. uh you know i i was like i said mildly successful but my passion i still had that like i i want to do more in this military stuff mm. like i still had there was something i had to satisfy you know yeah but I cut away and then went with sf and so i went yeah and, and it, it, real funny so you know uh i was in relatively decent shape but i hadn't put on a rucksack in years right and sfas special forces selection it's all rocking rock mm. rock rock team events you're just rocking right and yeah. your feet just get turned into shit and i remember when you when we showed up they shake you down make sure you don't have any you know contraband and i had a <laughs> i had a brand new pair of jungle boots in the box and i remember this instructor coming up me and he looked he opened up the box and he says have you wore these yet and i'm like no sir he's like don't even unpack. <laughs> but I gotta tell you, my feet were just oh, bro, it was. I mean, I had I had blood blisters the size of an egg on the bottom of my feet. Anyway, I made it, and then you know, off to the Q course I went and other schools and whatnot. But um, but yeah, man, a stockbroker. I know of all things, people just don't uh, don't relate to me as a stockbroker. Yeah, yeah, man, had my Series Seven, my sixty three, oh, and my twenty four. I had my options principal uh, license and had a registered investment advisor, but you know, it was fun. Very stressful though. Yeah. Cause it was a zero sum game every month back to zero, yeah. back to zero, back to zero. Yeah. <clears throat> you didn't pull your weight. Boom. Well, yeah, you know, you can say that. I want to say real quick. Uh, um, so <clears throat> I, I was watching news yesterday, actually yeah, had Fox news and they had Mike Rowe from dirty jobs. Yeah. On there, right. And, uh, and he was talking about, which was kind of interesting was, you know, the government goes all non-essential jobs, all non-essential, you know, employees and, and businesses need to shut the doors, right? And he came back with a pretty good, you know, you know, uh, retorting some, he goes, define what's non-essential because who is it non-essential to, right? Because yeah. everybody's job is essential. Everybody's livelihood is essential. How can you discount it, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so in this case, words matter. 
but uh, what he was, what's interesting is Joe and I have been putting out some uh, some webinars and uh, some videos um, on our Facebook page, talking about this very thing, right? If you went into this this situation we're in right now, um, and you only have one skill set, one job skill, right? And all of a sudden you go, damn, I'm out of a job. What am I gonna do now? When I come out on the other other, other end of this thing. You made a huge mistake before you ever went into it, mm. long before we even got to this point, right? And and so this guy, Mike Grow, made a point. And the reason I'm putting that out there is because he said a lot of people, you know, if, if all you have is a, is a, all you have is a hammer in your toolbox, yeah. then every problem looks like a nail. Yeah. Right? And you're gonna beat it with a hammer, right? Yeah. But if you put a lot of tools in your toolbox, right, you have off you have different tools for mm. different, you know, different problems, okay? And uh, and so but, you know, Joe was telling, you know, he's explained to you that he's, he was a stockbroker, he was a Marine, he was an SF, he's on television, you know, you know about my background. And that's the point to all this thing. There's people out there right now sitting at home, and I, I'm, look, I'm seeing the videos all over Facebook, right? And, and, and you know, and even on the news, you know, I'm, you know, they're, they're taking videos of the kitchen. Hey, we're stocked with food, you know, I got my Xbox, I borrowed from my neighbor, you know, we're watching games, you know, yeah. we're hanging out with the kids and everybody's like, hey, enjoy the family time, you know, and, uh, you know, this might be a blessing in disguise. You know, I tell that to the guy that just lost his job that has no money, he can't make yeah. the rent, okay? And he, okay, and he's got kids to feed. Is that really a yeah. blessing or is that a curse, right? Yeah. So um, now, with all that said, Okay, just because you go into this situation with, you know, you know, limited skills, or maybe you go into a situation with a lot of skills, okay, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to, you you know, and I don't like to use the word survive, right? Survive means you're just like hanging on by your fingernails, you come out there and you're like, I'm going to survive, yeah. I'm going to survive, and uh, I like to think of it as being a thriver, I like to, you know, embrace the suck as we used to say, yeah, yeah. you know, we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to embrace it, it's, it's going to suck. But we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of it to be better versions of ourselves and to learn and come out on the other thing either better or um, we have more more opportunities to exploit right so because we came into this thing with a lot of skills and uh, and maybe everything's kind of bottleneck for a second but when we come back out we've got a chance to uh, propagate again in different directions mm. um, so this is why it's important that you know people that are out there listening especially if you're a young guy man. Don't fall for the trap that, uh, you know, get a professional job, make lots of money, you know, like whatever, and you'll be happy for the rest of your life. Hey, man, you know what? For example, let's just say you're, let's just say you, Tom, became a medical doctor. Go, hey, I made it. Look at that. I'm making a ton of money. I'm a doctor. You know, I'm good for life because they're going to always be doctors. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and all shit, something happens. You have a stroke, right? Yeah. And, uh, and now you're disabled. Yeah. You can't really function at the level that you need anymore. Yeah. I mean, you're still functional, but not on the level where you probably, can be trusted with medicine or issuing medicine or handling scalpel right now what are you going to do right have you got a fallback plan and so it doesn't matter you know how successful you are at one thing um you know if, if that can always go you know go well, down the toilet for you well, man and you better have a, a contingency plan in fact you know joe will tell you in, in the military we have what called what we call pace plans for communication, which is primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency, right? If one radio didn't work, the primary radio didn't work, we had a, better have an alternate radio, we better have a contingency means uh, for communication, and we better have an emergency means for communication, right? Mm -hmm. The first one, we might be using a satellite, that that thing shits to bed. Uh, okay, the next one is we're gonna use a cell phone, an emergency, right? And, and if we get down to an emergency, that means 
one of you assholes is going to put on your running shoes and you're going to run <laughs> 10 miles with a note. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's going to be a plan, right? Yeah. But that's how your life should be set up as well. My, what, Joe, you want to add something on that? <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. Um, there was a time in my life that, that I didn't have, I'll be honest with you, man. I was, um, I didn't have a primary and alternate and contingency and emergency. I was kind of like hyper-focused on one thing yeah. and I, out of my, I would have to look back, but I would have to tell you it was that part of my life that I was most scared because it was yeah. like Dale was saying, man, this better work. And guess what? It didn't. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've learned about life, and I think you, Tom, you, you can attest to it, Dale, is when you think you're lining up everything dress right dress, all you're doing is inviting Murphy to the freaking party. Exactly. He is just sitting in wait. You're putting together to the card castle and you're handing your friend a slingshot Dude. and you're like, okay, break my heart. <laughs> like, it, I, I, who is ever listening to this, you can take this to the bank if it's open. Yeah. Uh, whenever you start setting yourself up in a business or anything, Mur you all you're doing is you're selling a, you're sending a freaking telegraph message to Murphy to say, hey, here I am, and oh, and shit is going to happen, guaranteed. I've been in multiple businesses, and Dale has too. Some worked out, some didn't, but you better have backup plans, guys. And and I'm here to tell you, uh, the times I've fallen flat on my face, you know, our backup plans had holes in, it, mm -hmm. and I'll be the first one to admit it. And um, and unfortunately, I was like a minority owner or minority investor in these businesses, and I only had so much pool. And I'm like, guys, we're we're screwing up. They yeah. can't do this. Yeah. No, no, no. It's going to be okay. Here, here, let me give you one example. And I'm going to bust some people out right now. So if you're listening, like my grandfather used to say, tough shit. Yeah. Um, so there was this company. This was in 2007. It was called YRT2. And they were like on the cutting edge of the smart house, you know, when you walk yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so all these people i knew they had big bucks like multi-millionaires were investing in this and one guy in particular i'm not going to mention his name very successful uh uh guy i know um invested a lot of money and he told me about it and he said you know we're only allowing accredited investors and i'm like all right i get it and i'm like what's the minimum investment he said 100 grand and i said all right so i invested 100,000 bucks i bought into their initial offering put in 100 grand right this is in 2007. I said to them at one of the stockholders meetings, I said, I got a question for you. What happens if the real estate market shits the bed? You could hear crickets. Bam! 2008, the bottom falls out, the company goes bankrupt, and I got a $100,000 stock certificate that ain't worth the fucking paper it's printed on in my desk drawer right now. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's yeah that is textbook textbook uh i remember this one guy saying you know mr ted i the market's strong you know we're in a good market we've you know they had contracts with all the big builders they were going to go put in all the lines and all the fiber optic cable and you know everybody was counting their money Ooh. yeah 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 bam yeah. dude it was over in six months they went tits up yeah done and i was out a hundred thousand bucks let me tell you bro that hurt yeah well i mean you know, um it's there, so yeah, I mean, just talking about lining everything up. <clears throat> so, man, in college, I when I started studying nonstop, dude, I I did not have a social life. I went to the number one party school in the nation. I went to one football game after three and a half years there. Right, I did not go out. 
I had so much ass thrown at me. I was, this is when I was in great shape. I had so much ass thrown at me and I was, I was, nope, I got work to do. I got work to do. Finally, Ace of the MCAT, published my research, get my 4.0s, apply to med school, started dating this girl my last semester of college, fall 2013. I'd put off everything like now it's going to be good. Now it's, I had lined everything up got into med school. I'm going to be Dr. Kerrigan. I'm going to start making bank. I know I just threw away my 20s, but I'm going to have fun when I got money. Got my girlfriend. What could go wrong? Graduate yeah. December 2013. April 15th, 2014, my oldest sibling took his life. Suicide. Gone. I went, dude, I went, I had a perfect storm of having never lived, right? Because I just studied. So I went through this like midlife crisis at 23. I was 23, I was 24 at the time. I went through this midlife crisis of like, I didn't live in college and I went through an existential crisis of losing a sibling to suicide. Yeah, sure. And I went through just like the general, like uh, not knowing how to grieve. Cause I went from, you know, I went from always just, I, you know, I literally used to have written above my desk, don't depend on anyone for anything. And it was just like, so I went just from this like, the psychopathic hustler like I get it done to like all of a sudden this wasn't a weight that I could lift or work harder at this wasn't a test that it was like okay I failed it but I can take it again it was I mean it was like trying to fight smoke I was like how do you how do you deal with losing a sip like what could I have done the depression the anxiety in it sure. coalesced into gaining 67 pounds in two years and shout out McDonald's it was just taking every pill smoking everything drinking non-stop Finally, moved home in 2016 and just still losing weight. But I lined everything up and it was just like, it's perfect. And literally, it was God took a baseball bat and was like, surprise, motherfucker. And it just, so, so I'm going on a ramp. But finally, this past August, I was like, you know what? There has to be multiple tiers to this. And I was like, I would like to start a podcast. But I also started online graphic design school. And I was like, start sending out portfolios now. So if this fails, I can do And what did I also do? I went and got a job for this. I had a job with coronavirus. I have a job for the rest of this year. It's like, so I'm setting out these multiple, like I would love for the podcast to work. If it doesn't, right. graphic design degree, I know I can make, that's another thing, taught myself graphic design. I was like, I can make that work. And if that, if worse comes to worse, I can work at a bar. But it's like, set up these multiple tiers because not only does setting up one tier invite Murphy to come kick you in the nuts, right. Know what I found, man? I found that when you set up multiple tiers, Murphy's not even attracted to you. He's like, ah, that's gay. I can't yeah, fuck hard, with that. You become a hard target. Yeah, and he's like, I'll go fuck with the other guy. Exactly. Like, when you have, yeah. hey, you guys keep talking. I have to go piss so bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> where'd you find this guy, Dale? <laughs> hey, where'd you go, man? <laughs> Ain't that true though, man? Um, what he said is actually true. It, you know, when when you've got like one iron in the fire, um, Murphy can just and, and guys who's ever watching, we probably need to explain this. A lot of people might not even know what we're talking about. We're talking about Murphy's law, which basically says, you know, when you when you count on everything to go right, Murphy's going to show up and throw you know so a wrench to your plans, and it happens. I mean, I oh my god. I can sit here for three days and tell stories about this. I know you can too. One thing I just mentioned with Dale before, I was on a mission in Afghanistan. We're doing our comms check. We're getting ready to leave the gate. Everybody's you know, checking their embitters, doing comm checks, comm checks. Literally, we drive about a quarter mile, quarter mile down the road. No comms for Joe. 
I don't know if I dropped my fill. I don't know what happened, but I had zero comms through my embitter, you know, and I was on the assault force. And so I actually just end up switching out with a guy. And again, that's changing on the fly. I'm like, I got no comms, dude. There's no way I should be on the assault team. So I pulled security, you know? So um, anyway, that it happens guys and count on it. And that's why you've got to have backups, the backups. And, and, and I don't know, it also makes you sleep better at night. <laughs> You know, knowing that if somebody pulls the rug out from underneath you, it's like, all right, you pulled the rug out from underneath me, but I, I you know, I got a safety net there. Um, but um, but too, man, it's like, yeah. you know, I've, I've always, I've always had multiple streams of income of some kind or another, man. Um, and if I lose one, I try to build another one back up so that, you know, like you said, like right now is classic example, right? So, um, you know, people are losing. I'm, Hell, my my business in Indonesia is struggling, and uh, who knows how it's going to work out in a couple months? You know, it may it may it may shit the bed, or it may continue on. I don't know, but uh, um, you know, and I'm here in Florida. My wife is in Indonesia, right. and uh, she's got to manage that. I've got to manage this, and I've got to you know. But I have other means for making money. That uh, thank goodness it's passive income, right? You know, royalty checks, stuff like that. To kind of at least. Make sure I got food on my table, food on their table, if it comes to that, and a roof over the head. But, um, you know, the other thing, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, Murphy. So Murphy, um, you know, for everybody listening out there, Murphy comes in many forms, okay? And Murphy's not just, you know, a wrench, okay? Murphy doesn't show up as just a wrench into the cog and screws everything up. Murphy also shows up in the form of your friends and, mm-hmm. and people you never thought were your enemies, man. And they'll be the first oh, yeah. ones to come along and sabotage everything you've worked yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, you know, and with, there's a saying, with success comes enemies. And and Joe and I know that better. Well, we know that as, as well as most uh, successful people out there. Because everybody, will, you know, I think will have a story to tell you. Good Lord knows how many times I've talked to people that started a company and they had the same story I did. Their ex-business partners uh, stole their company from out from under right. them, you know, or blackballed them somehow. So money changes people man um it changes money is very powerful it changes people all the time greed um they lose their damn mind man and so um and and it's not just you know partners it's or business you know associates it's also those that have nothing to do with your business right jealous ones and trust me they're out there um you know joe and i both get hammered by you know these these basically nobody guys and girls that just have an agenda you know and uh and so, you know, we have a choice. It's like we can, you know, we can sit there and, and swing our guns around and engage them, you know, or we can just pop smoke behind us and just keep moving forward, which is what we choose to do, you know. But uh, but they always try to get on a helicopter and fly in front of us and do another ambush along the way, you know. And we have to, you know, temporarily fight through it or diverse. But the point is, what I'm trying to say here is uh, Murphy comes in many forms, and, and, and I call them fire starters or fire uh, firefighters and fire starters, right? Um, or fire lighters. And uh, and what are fire li- uh, firefighters? Firefighters are the ones that tell you why you can't su- yeah. do something, why it's a buy a bad idea, or basically they'll try to undermine what you're trying to do. They'll you know they'll use you know they'll put negative press yeah. out. You know they'll whatever they'll they'll do whatever they can to throw roadblocks in front of you and know, hopefully completely derail your operation to sink your ship, so to speak. But uh, uh, those are, you know, avoid firefighters out there and uh, and hang around with the fire lighters, you know, the arsonists. That's who you want behind you. Yeah. And I've got, a few, I've got a, quite a few of those, man. There's there's people out there I don't even know 
that have been behind me for years, following me, supporting me on many in many different ways, man, um, which is really amazing. Um, and I, the other thing I found is, is when I've hit some hard times, I mean, we're all going to hit them. Um, the people that I counted on the most that I thought were my friends, that I thought could help me out for a minute, um, knowing that I was good for whatever, you know, if, if I needed to borrow like a lot of money, like right now for a second um, to get me through this 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 gap for a minute, I'll, I'll give it right back. Um, crickets, man. Yeah. Total crickets, man. It just, you know, it just, you know, it's like, okay, I know who my friends were. And ironically, a lot of my friends are people that really gave a shit. I don't even know them, man. That's yeah. what was so amazing, right? Yeah. So, and they, they're not just friends either, it's family. Um, yeah. Sometimes your family friend members are some of your biggest saboteurs, man. Um, you know, and exactly. uh, and and it's all because of the human condition, man. People, you know, we tend not to want to be outshone or outdone by yeah. our contemporaries, by our peers, because then that's a testimonial against us. Like, damn, this guy just climbed the ladder and he's way up there, and I'm still down here. And they think, oh man, he's. They feel like in their mind you're a better person, yeah. and they don't want to feel like you're superior. So they try to they try to yeah. pull you back down to their level any way they can, whether it's talk you down or, or deliberately sabotage your program. And we look, we have had all our experiences where Joe can tell you, especially people have done everything from send viruses to try to you know lock out our you know our accounts, websites. Um, I mean, it's nuts the length some guys will go through to include creating face web, uh, web pages, face, um, face documents out there, fake, fake documents out there, anything they can do to, to basically discredit you and hope that enough people will buy into the lie. You know, Hitler said, if you if you repeat a lie enough times, people will finally buy it. And yeah. that's, the, and that's the technique that most people that out there that are saboteurs, as far as I'm concerned, they do that, right? Mm. They just keep lying and lying until, you know, everybody's like, okay, must be true because I've heard it enough times, right? Yeah. So, um, so I'm telling everybody out there from a business perspective as well, from a performance perspective, if you want to achieve something, um, you want to be the best you can be, um, you're not only fighting yourself, um, you know, you're not only, you know, fighting your own, uh, you know, shortcomings and your own confidence, you're also, you're also fighting everybody else's shortcomings and their lack of confidence, yeah. right? Because they're going to, they're gonna um, they're gonna project it on you. So you know you basically you're gonna face the world and uh, to be successful. And the ones that are successful have come can overcome all of that. And how do they do that? They do that through mindset, a certain yeah. type of mindset. And it's guess what? It's less than two percent of the population. Less than two percent of the population achieve all their goals. Look, everybody can do one. Everybody can you know do two goals. Yeah, yeah I'm good. You know, but try to. Just take on an arbitrary uh, a goal and go. Let me see you do it. Yeah. Can you do it? It's like shit, you know. Yeah. You, usually they that's, can't. Hey, Bill, that's kind of like what I was doing. I, I um, so Tom, you might not know this, but uh, I was training for an Ironman, right? So um, I've done a few sprint triathlons in the past, and they were. I don't want to say they weren't challenging. I mean, but at the end of the race, I wasn't like, oh shit, I need a vacation. You know, um, I was actually fine. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to kick it up a notch. And I'm going to do an Ironman because that's a for real ball buster. Yeah. Um, so I went on this six-month um, training program. And, um, you know, I, I had a, a lot of people just saying, dude, you're biting off way too more than you, can, you know, more than you can chew and all this stuff. And, you know, like what Dale, the, the, what I'm trying to segue into is like, I don't want to hear the negative bullshit. And I don't want to hear, I don't want you to even be around me if you're negative at this point in my life. And I got to be honest with you. Um, I had a few people, one guy I'd known for 30 years, no lie, 
And every time I talked to this guy, it was negative, negative, negative. I said, bro, don't you have anything good to talk about? Yeah. And, and it just got to a point where it was affecting me because I knew when I was getting you know, my phone rang, I'd be like, oh man, this you guy. know, here goes negative nanny. I told him one day, I said, let me tell you something, brother. I said, let me give it to you from the hip. The next time you call me and you blow my phone up with negative bullshit, I'll never talk to you again. Yeah. And guess what? He did. Yeah. And I haven't talked to him since. Yeah. And, and, and those, for those of you that are watching, you're like, man, what an asshole. No. Uh, let me just say, there's a saying I have, and this may sound selfish to a lot of people, but this is a fact. You know, I may love you, but I love me more. Yeah. And let me tell you something. This guy was affecting me in a negative way. And what Dale was saying is 100% true. You know, if people start trying to sabotage your life and just throwing these freaking ball bearings into the, in the machine work, I, man, you can't they even get, get within a hundred feet of me. And do that right yeah. It's yeah. You're done, dude. I'll cut your ass away like a bad parachute. Like yeah. I'll give you one warning. Yeah. And after that, you're done. Poof. You're, I'll cut you away. Because once I got rid of these people in my life, now look, it hurt. I almost called the one guy back and I'm like, God dang. But I was just, I can't do this because yeah. it was affecting me so bad. And I'm glad I didn't now. I got over the pain of doing it, but I am in a much better place. Yeah. Much, I don't I don't worry about the phone ringing and going, oh no, man. Yeah, fuck oh, this guy. Yeah, and yeah sh sure, my circle of friends have gone like, like that, but... Uh, the people I do have in my life, like Dale and my other friends, these are positive people, man. They're yeah. high energy. You know, those are the people want to be around. And, and one person can unravel that whole thing. You may have five positive people in your life, but let me tell you, it's that one pain in the ass, that, that flying ointment yeah. that unravels everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. That, that, I, mean, I don't allow that in my life at all. Men or women. Yeah. Men or women. Anybody. People like you. Bring negative bullshit into my life. You get one warning. Stop doing this. Yeah. It's done. you have to take those people out, and it's, and it's it's not the same as like, you know, it's not the same as like, you know, what you see nowadays with like censorship. Well, they say offensive stuff. Shut them down. No, not at all. It's it's you have to walk the middle line. Right. They're allowed to say that. They're allowed to say whatever they want. Right. Personally, I just I'm not going to be around them. Like if there's a if there's a show or a politician or someone protesting something, right. it's I may completely fucking disagree with. It's like I may completely disagree with you. I think you're a dirty communist. Right. That is your freedom to have that point of view. What I can do in my power is change the channel. I can That's turn right. the TV off and go, okay, they can't be around me. What I wanted to bring up was so, but there are often, there are people in your life, those negative people that just, yeah, they are just, they're the rain and you and your friends are trying to build a fucking fire. Sometimes, sometimes you can't get rid of them. Sometimes you, you live with them or sometimes they're your colleague and they're next to you. What I found is that there's a certain, I remember Joe Rogan said it one time years and years ago. And he's like, if you can't get rid of them, you truly can't get rid of them because of just circumstances they are by you he goes start looking at it as they are your spiritual sparring partner look at them as like okay i can't get rid of their negativity that just means i have to crank my positivity up a couple notches and you look at it as like it's like almost like those basketball players that will train with the weighted vests so when they take them off during the season they can do better jump shots 
that's how I try to look at it now is when I am stuck with negative people day in and day out for years, I'll be like, okay, I just got to step my game up. This just means that every time they say something, I just got to be right back with like right. deflect it or non-reactive or just tell myself like, it's going to work. It's going to work. Because what that does mean is when they finally are gone, you've just been training for the real world. So you're going to go out there and someone's going to be like, your podcast sucks. Like, man, I've been training for years for this. Just like, you're not even thinking twice. It's almost like when you train and like I've heard Dale describe it, it's like you don't want to train to where you have to think about like what move do I do next. You train to the point where it's reflexive. You don't even think yeah. about it. So you want to train. You want to get to the point where you're like, you don't even have to think. Okay, let's be positively. Someone's like your podcast sucks. You're like fuck yeah it does, buddy. And you just keep walking like you know like whatever. It's it's so yeah. You got to cut them out well, when they're shitty. Favorite saying, yeah. Tom, is amateurs train until they get it right. Professionals train until they can't get it wrong. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Go, bro. Train until you can't fuck it up. It's, That's right. It's, yep. and, and Dale and I were actually talking about this the other day, and, and I get people asking me all the time, you know, about training and, 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 and you know, train like you're going to fight. And and I tell people, like, yeah, it's actually true because, you know, when you when you train on a certain skill set, like for CQB, right? Yeah. And you're going to go take down a building. You've trained and trained and trained and trained. When you actually go do it, it's almost just like an extension of training. Now, granted, there's more anxiety and you're dealing with more stress, but it's kind of like anybody that you hear about talking about a sport and Dale has more experience this than me by far, but I've had my share, but it's kind of like you're amped up while you're flying in, you know, you're flying in on helicopters, you're driving up on vehicles, but the minute you get to the door, it's just like business as usual, man. Like everything just like just slows down and like I've done this. You know, yeah. I've done this before and it's just this time there's bad guys in there. And I, I remember, I remember when I was in the unit, Dale and I were in, we we're on the range one day and I had this guy come up to me and he, he was a former guy from uh, where Dale came from and he was an older cat too, man, but he was a stud, man. And he goes, he's like, Hey Joe, man, do you know the only difference between shooting a real person and a paper target? And I said, no, sir. And he says, there's just a little more mess to clean up. That's all. <laughs> I was like, Roger that, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but he, but he meant it. Like, like he, he, you know what I mean? Like that, those are the kind of guys I was around. So anyway, yeah. not to go there, but, but it, it, it anyway, I don't know. Dale, yeah. what do you, what do you think about that? No, you're actually, you're right. Because I think maybe we've talked about it before, Tom, I don't, can't remember now, but uh, you're right. When you train the way you fight, well, it doesn't matter if you train to do whatever it is you're doing. If you train, like you're going to actually do the job. When it comes time to do the job, it's like training. Like my, I remember when we, you know, the unit, we used to train live fire. Everything was live bullets all the time. Um, you know, it was we we trained on everything that we're actually going to use for real in combat. And we did that every day. That was how nothing was simulated, nothing was faked. And then I remember one time when we did our raid in the Modelo prison, which is in the book American Badass, mm-hmm. um, Carcel Modelo. Um, yeah, there's a when I talk about the infill, um, it was like very surreal. Okay, the bad guys were waiting for us. We knew they were there, and uh, you know the gunfights you know started as we were still in the air at a slow hover, and the whole thing was surreal to where it didn't even feel like a real firefight. In mm. fact, it felt like a training operation, a training mission. Nothing ever really seemed real, although it was, and people were dying. But in training, people were simulating getting shot and falling down. Right, so you never see bullets anyway. So. You know, it was yeah. like everything was like like yeah. it was a training mission. It didn't get real until after we left the target, and uh, 
we've already had several birds get shot down and get shot up and we took casualties and we got back to the uh, JMAO at, at the uh, at Howard Air Force Base um, and we I was supposed to be the last helicopter out of 15 helicopters to arrive and we were the only helicopter to arrive and then we were told you know reload you're going back in you know the bird yeah. got shot down that's when it started like, getting like okay now it's real right yeah so, um, but um, but you know, to Joe's point, you know, um, no matter what you do in life, um, you know, practice. You know, the old saying, "Perfect practice makes perfect." Um, there's a lot of truth to that. Why? Because you're you're building, you're building that nervous system. You're building, you know, all those things that autogenic conditioning, either by yourself or as a collective, right? As a team. My team, my my team in, in Delta, for example, my assault team. I mean, we would flow through a building like water, man. We knew what everybody was going to do. We knew, I knew what guy, what shot a guy would take and he wouldn't take. Um, you know, they knew what shot I would, it was just, mm. we had done it so much. We were like really just one body with different appendages yeah. together, right? And yeah. so that's what made us so effective is because we trained so many times, so many different scenarios at it. And we did it in the most extreme manner, right? Live fire bullets shooting around each other, over each other, behind each other. And, uh, it just became, you know, it just became a, a normal, a normal occurrence. Everything we did, so um, you can do it as an individual, and you can do it as a collective. You know, and every, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be just, you know, wartime stuff. So, you know, some of you guys may have never experienced that out there, but it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're playing a, on a football team, um, whether you're working as a uh, a team in a business, right? You're, a group of you, you know, have a, you're on a project together. Um, and your job is to, you know, create widgets or a certain type of service, you know, as, mm. as a team, you know, you learn, you know, everybody's strengths and weaknesses. Um, I mean, it's funny, I, I, I was telling Joe and actually my daughter the other day, because, um, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, issues like with team building. And uh, <clears throat> so and this kind of falls into the realm of leadership stuff that Joe and I are teaching out mm. there. So anytime you build a team for anything, um, you know, there's basically five phases to team building. Okay. And the first one is obviously forming, you know, forming the team. Okay, guys, we're going to group up and here's our mission. This is what we're going to do together. Right. And then the next part is what we call storming. And that's where all of a sudden everybody's trying to figure out where their station is. Right. And, and so there's a little shuffling and jousting and pushing going on. And everybody's trying to position, position themselves mm-hmm. mostly because they don't understand uh, they don't understand their job description. Right. They don't know what the left or right limits are. They don't know what their space is, right? They don't know mm. where the fence is established yet, right? The fences mm. keep moving and people keep crawling over each other's fences, right? Um, but once that's all sorted out in the storming process, then the next phase is norming. Well, we're, now we're actually working together as yeah. a team, right? Um, and so it, it, there's, there's these five steps, right? But basically it goes, goes to that point. So there's a psychological component to, um, to working as a group as well, right? And uh, we're social animals. Bottom line, we're social creatures, just like you know wolves and, and horses and everything else out there. You know, there's there's a hierarchy that we we abide by, that we live by, um, and there's order. And it and that's the reason we have that is to keep order, right? So that we are more effective. Um, so you have to be able to work, you know, as a team, um, and you also have to be able to work unilaterally, independently, right? Ideally, like a Delta Force operator, the reason we're selected, one of the reasons we were selected. Is because they want a guy that can not only work as a team and get along with the guys on the team and work as a as a collective, but also can be out, go out there by himself and do the job alone. Hmm. And, uh, and I've seen when that doesn't work. I've seen when you have people that uh, 
um, have their own agenda and it just kind of screws everything up and it, 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 it it's not very efficient but um, anyways um, so, yeah. so, answer, so that's a long answer to Joe's yeah, yeah. You know, response is yeah you know um, train the way you're going to fight train the way you know you expect to work what, you know you go to med school right they're going to teach you how to do whatever you do right to be a doctor right and you're going to learn it exactly do it this way you yeah. know don't don't wing it because you slept in Holiday Inn last night. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it my way. That, that's you know, do what you're trained to do, right? And if you do that, chances are you can't go wrong. Yeah. So, so for <clears throat> to y'all y'all's coaching. So, yeah, I have I have a predisposition to because I look at stuff like Tony Robbins and yeah. So I have a I have a predisposition to kind of look at it and almost like roll my eyes, be like, yeah, because it you know, it's like. Even after Joe Rogan said this years ago, he was like, Tony Robbins is just like, he's successful, but he's successful at being successful. He's like, he didn't, it's not like he's a retired, you know, MMA fighter or sniper or whatever, and he's teaching you this. He's like, he's successful. He's like, and I'm not shitting on the guy. He's like, the guy's made his bank. He's like, so, but he's like, he's successful, successful at being successful, if that makes sense. So for someone like me, so Back when I could do like 150 push-ups straight, do 40 pull-ups and run a mile, back when I was fucking shredded, I was probably like 170. After my brother, I shot up to like 237. Right now I'm at 205 and I'm still trying to get rid of my man titties, right? And I'm trying to grow this podcast with the same ferocity that I that I got into med school even right now. It's only, it's, a, it's, it's very tiny. But my goal is to just like when I first started studying and, you know, barely getting A's to beating the shit out of other Ivy League applicants. There's a long road, but I eventually got there. So how would how would I utilize y'all's training program to like how would I be able to show so for like a real time you could you could sell it in real time. How would how would I utilize it as someone that's doing my podcast every day to where you could look back in six months and be like, now look at where his podcast is look how much weight he's lost. Like, look how much less of a pussy he is. Like, you know, how would, how would people be able to, if I did tier one performance coaching or if I did y'all's program, how would I benefit from that? Not to put you on the spot, but also, yeah, to challenge it because I do have a predisposition to, again, you know, be the man you can be like infomercial at two in the morning. And it's like, if you want 10 Ferraris and a bunch of hookers, like you can do this too. And it's, you know, so yeah. So, uh, Actually, let me, let me, Dill, let me start this. No, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to the real science behind this stuff, about his doctorate and this kind of stuff, and I, I'm not even in his league. I know how it works, but he knows the finite stuff. Sure. Let me just give you one. I'm just going to give you one gold nugget. All right. It's not so much about making your podcast better and making you fitter. It's making you, you better. Once you make yourself better, all it just leaks do, into everything else. Yeah. It just, well, it, Weird, dude. This just leaks into all parts of your life. So this is one thing that I tell people. I'm going to give one really big gold nugget. And so um, I told this, I'm, I'm coaching this young man, and he lacks, you know, confidence and a bunch of other things. But anyway, um, one of the things I told him, I said, you know, what motivates you? You know, do you want the Lamborghini? Do you want this? Do you want that? Da, da, da. And he's like, no, no, not really. And I said, well, then, what is it about you and your psyche that motivates, excuse me, motivates you to the core? And what I mean by that is 
motivates you to almost an emotional state. And I'll give you an example. So I lost my mother years ago when I was in high school. Tragically, she was taken out of my life. Boom, gone. Um, I carry a picture around in my wallet of my mom to this day. And when I look at it, it rocks me to the core. Hmm. Like it, it isn't, it's not superficial. You know what I'm saying? Cars and material things are actually superficial things, guys. Those are, those are just a way to keep score. Look, I've had a Ferrari, big yeah. freaking deal. Yeah. You know what? I don't have it anymore. I sold it. Lost 40,000 bucks. <clears throat> Real smart investment, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, those are very superficial type of motivations. Like guy, perfect example, guys go, oh, man, I want to be a green, I want to wear the green break. It sucks. It's a fucking hot hat. I don't ever wear it. Can't stand it. You know, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I want to wear the Trident. You know, that's great. That's superficial. Yeah. You'll never make it through the training. If never. Yeah. If that's what's motivating you. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Because when you're sucking ass and you're cold and you're wet and you got blisters and you're nauseous, you got a headache, that is not going to rattle you emotionally and go, wake, the, wake up. Yeah. You, you know, but when I thought wake of my mom, yeah. her saying, Joe, I know you can do this. She was the only one. That gives you a huge psychological edge. Yeah, it, it has to be. It has to rock you to the core. And I'll give you one more. So, and Dale and I experienced. We had a mutual friend that died uh, tragically in a in a helicopter accident that Dale and I were both at. Uh, I got off the helicopter. <laughs> Dale and this other gentleman were going to get on it. The other guy got on it, crashed, and killed him. He's one of our dear friends. Anyway, I carry a picture of this guy in my gym bag. Hmm. Because every morning, except for Sundays, and I talk about it in my book, he would call me at like 6.30 in the morning, wake up. And he'd already be at the gym. He'd already be at the boxing gym. And I'd be just crawling my lazy ass out of bed. Yeah. When I see his picture, it rocks me to the core. Yeah. When I go to the gym, I open up my bag. There's a little plastic and his picture's right there. And yeah dude i could be i've literally thrown up in the garbage can at the gym and went right back to work yeah because i didn't want to disappoint him like i know he'd be disappointed if i wasn't putting out 100 percent. yeah so the whole point what i'm saying is you want to get the top top performance you've got to find that thing that one not two joe <laughs> where'd he go did he joe? freeze did oh, he... Yeah. joe He's probably having a comms issue. Oh. He's out, I know he was outside on uh, probably using his data, uh, his phone. That's fine. Yeah, he froze. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll pick up where he left <laughs> off. I, so. No, I get, but I get what you're saying. No, you can't. You know, it's like when I when I was pre med, I never was never like I want the white coat. It was like you don't look at it like that. Even now, I mean, I have my brother's initials tattooed on my shoulder, and for me, it's not like I want to have 10 million subscribers and I want to have a big house. To me, I'm like. I look at pictures of me super overweight, you know, addicted to anxiety pills and, you know, just losing myself, long, greasy hair, just, you know, blaming everyone, just the antithesis of what I was in college. And I look at myself and that's what gets me going. I'm like, it's one thing to fall that low. Like, how awesome would it be if I if I rose up and conquered? And to me, it's like. Every time I have someone like Delta Force or on Friday, I'm having on nuclear fusion scientists from Oxford University. And it's like every time I get some to me, it's just like it's just a win. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to crush it. I'm like to everyone that said I was down and out. I'm like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to destroy it. And like like Joe's picture of his mom, 
that's what I see on my tattoo every day. I see my brother's initials. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking crush it. Like, I'm going to, you know, anyone can get into med school and be in good shape. Who can, who can lose a sibling, gain a ton of weight, get on a ton of drugs and come back and conquer? That's, yeah. that's my driving thing. I'm like, that, I don't give a, whether I have where I am now or whether I have 10 million subscribers, I'm like, I want the same mindset every day. I want the same, like, bleeding hunger. Like, I don't want, okay, I've got to the point. Because once you reach the, once you reach the goal, the finish line, you're fucked because you yeah. you get to it. You always want to push the goal. Let's go to the next peak. You never want to get there because you're you're dead. You're, once you stop, you're de- like what you said. I'm a shark. If I stop swimming, I'm dead. It's yeah. yeah. So there, there's two. So you know to expand on what Jet Joe was saying, um, he's right. So my father was my motivation all my life. Everything I say, everything I did, was for my father. Always, I wanted to. Not that I was, you know, I had a great father. Yeah. And I always wanted to make him proud. I didn't want to disappoint him. So everything I did, I attributed, it was him. Yeah. I did it for him. I literally did it for him until he passed away years ago. And I remember thinking, damn, now what? Now yeah. my father's not here anymore. And then I realized now I'm not doing it for my father anymore. Now I'm doing it for my kids. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it to be the best that I can be for my family i want to set the example but you know to your point what can i what can we do to change and make you a better person first thing we do is we challenge i have you challenge your paradigms all right forget all the nonsense that you probably learned all your life all the all the bullshit you know the the, the you know that people have built beaten your head yeah you know you know you have to challenge all of that and ask yourself is it really is it really valid you know and then like for example <clears throat> growing up you know, in my era, I always felt like, okay, when you're over the age of 30, pretty much you got, you know, one leg in a grave, you know, you're an old man. That's, yeah. That was a mindset, right? And uh, and probably so, because at that time, a lot of guys did look, didn't, weren't as fit as they are today. Um, and so I kind of grew up with that thinking, and then what happened was I was fortunate. I was very lucky because I went to, when I went to Delta as a very young man, at the age of 23, um, I started looking around and looking at all these old dudes, and I'm like, man, these guys are studs. Man. Yeah. They're old, but they're freaking studs. Man. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this they just broke that paradigm for me. Yeah. I just realized, no, man, you don't, you know what? That's why at the, I'm at, I'll be 57 next month. And I'm like, you know, I'm setting the example for, you know, hopefully a whole lot of other people out there. You know, I'm just getting started, man. Yeah. I'm, really I'm not as good a shape up as I once was. Um, I'm stronger than I ever was. I've been great shape um you know i don't run as fast as i used to by choice but um overall i'm i'm just as healthy as i was when i was in my 20s i have nothing wrong with me I, yeah. look i've been injured i've been you know i've been fragmented by you know i've had i got fragmentation wounds in my body i've had concussions i've had a lot of stuff happen to me you know helicopter crashes broken bones but nothing ails me nothing has slowed me down nothing to this day i'm not waking up in the morning and go, oh my back you yeah know, helicopter crash mm-hmm. my knee. you know yeah so it's, it's because of, of a certain mindset. So the first thing you have to do is we have to change. We have to have you challenge your paradigms, and we and we'll go through that process with you. Um, and then you'll start to realize through through um, you know through self through introspection. Okay, you start evaluating your inside. Go, oh, man, you know these are my weaknesses. These are my strengths. We do the SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, and then you through this analysis, and we got many 
many mm-hmm. things that we use tools for this so that you can kind of self-evaluate and we can help evaluate where you are and then pick out the direction that uh, you know that you want to go and help you and help guide you there um, but you're right so Joe's right you know you have to have something to motivate you okay most people you would think you know they have they have family especially you know children and a wife or a husband that they would go, you know what, for them, I am going to be the best that I can be, you know, and do all I can. If you're a parent, you would think that they would go, I want, and actually a lot of parents do. Most parents are like, they'll do anything for their kids, right, to make them better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm like, you know what, what, why are you not making yourself better by example, mm-hmm. right? You can you can make your kids better and you can make yourself better, right? Rather than going, hey, don't do as I do, do you know, do as I say. Yeah, what kind do of, as what I kind say, not as I do. Say, right? This is where we're going about the self-leadership thing. Um, you know, how the hell can you lead your kids? You can't even lead yourself, mm. right? And so you're looking at your kid and you're wondering why they're, you know, why, why they're a train wreck. It's because you, you're yeah. the blame, right? And so there's so many dynamics at play here. And this is what Joe and I have been trying to, have, you know, have sorted out. And uh, we've come up with different programs to include programs for kids. Um, when we say kids, we mean like teenage boys, you know, around the age of 13 to 17, you know. Sure. They're in their, uh, you know, they're they're in their impressionable years, you know, they're, they're hormonal years, right? And I think in those years, it's going to make or break them. Before, you know, if they're going to go to college, how they go, into, how they do in college, is depend on how they entered college, right? What their, what their mindset, mindset, their, their uh, you know, their self leadership skills. If they even have anything, if anybody even beat them into, my dad did. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and my dad literally beat them into me with a damn army belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if I stepped out of line, I got a boot. I got a beat. You know. Yeah. And my mom <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. I. I had a. Yeah. Me. Me. Me and my brothers. We. Yeah. We, yeah. We physically learned how to shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, it's, not, it's, it's not even. You know, I know what you mean. Not, we. We physically. Learning, right. It's we like, learned and we and we physically learned with a with a wooden spoon. Yeah. 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 And, and look, it didn't make me. You know, it didn't make me a psychopathic killer. Anyways, I'm not a. You know, I'm not a mass murderer. Or yeah. Not, you know, I'm actually very done done very well. And yeah. uh, and uh, you know I. You know, if you ask my ex, ask my ex-wife, you know, she, she'll tell you otherwise. I'm not stable, but I'm quite stable. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever. But uh, you know, anyways, um, yeah. you know. So yeah, to answer your question, you know, it's that's a that's kind of a long answer to even a, a longer answer because it's not that simple. Like just do this and, and no, no, I, yeah, I know, I get yeah. that, I get that. Yeah, when I, so when I when I worded it as you know, how does my podcast get better? How does my you know how do I? It's better by changing you. But that's that's right? what I mean. I didn't mean to be like they're gonna tell me how to do a podcast and they're gonna tell me how to diet. No, like I get that because even in college, like when it was, it wasn't just that I knew how to lift weights or I knew how to invest. It wasn't just that I knew how to study for organic chemistry or I knew how to diet. It was very different to me. There was there was a couple things you had to do. It was eight hours of sleep. It was exercise. It was a cold shower. It was meditation and it was eating less than you want to eat. And it was. If you could do that, your mind would get so laser focused, it would turn into a knife. And then it didn't matter what you were doing. Like the the, the research I published, that was research with nickel toxicity on fish. That is not what I give a fuck about. I didn't give a fuck about it before, not during and not after. All right. But I knew that would help me get into medical school. So I did it. If you looked at me as just so like meathead and you're like, you published this? Like, yeah. And it's, well, how did you get good? I didn't get good at doing research with fish. It was like 1,800 hours of research. No, I got good at honing my mind to do anything. Since I've moved home, I've went from just this like 
meathead to science-minded med school, also got into pharmacy school. What did I do when I came home? I taught myself graphic design to like to the point where I was making stuff for like DJs in LA. And then I was like, I want to make a podcast. So it's so I, I get that point where it's like, no, you don't not you're not learning all the it's not like, hey, do, how do I learn how to hit that target and the target after that and the target after that? You're gonna teach me how to use a scope and then I'll be able to do all of those, whatever I want. So I get that. It's how do I get the mind and then I can do whatever I want. I can get good at sewing i can well, you know what it is thomas too and, yeah. and i'm learning this as dylan and i've been talking um and i hate to say this but man I, I don't know if you guys agree or not but just talking about the male population guys have been a mask the pussification I, of america I, I hear from my female friends from my cousin everybody we're the real men we're, we're, we're okay i surround myself with real men anyway so like yeah. i, I kind of see it and i don't know i see it when i'm out and about but my my circle of influence are real men like dale like yeah. he's, a, he's a man's man right yeah and so what we're trying to do with this you know, let's face it. The majority of our coaching is going to be towards the male population. I yeah, mean, that's let's fine. Face well, you're males. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's not that we're doing it by choice, but I mean, of course we take on female clients, but the bottom line is men relate to us better than a woman would. Okay. But what we're doing is to be quite frank and to shrink it down. We're empowering a man yeah. to be a man. Yeah. We're giving you the tools that can shape your person to be a better man hmm. and, 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 and not, and to have the confidence. Look, I, I, and Dale will tell you this. And I'm sure you do too. You've had, you've had this happen yourself, you know, like when you work out, right. You know, I actually get euphoric feeling knowing like right now, if you were to say, Joe, go out and run 10 miles. I can't go Joe, go out and swim two miles. I can't, there's a power to that. Like it's a confidence that it gets into your whole your whole psyche. And that's why Dale was saying it's, it's the mind, body, spirit, but spirit, not so much in the religious, but the ether as Dale mm -hmm. would call it. And that's the energy, right? But it's, it's a combination, just like the fitness triad, mm. you know, nutrition, exercise, and rest and recovery. If one of those legs are missing, it don't the work. Whole thing's fucked. Well, it's yeah. the same with what we're doing. You may be, you know, uh, this and this, but if you're physically a mess, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? You may have the right mindset and you've got to have it. All the pistons have to be firing for optimal performance. Yeah. If two are firing, sure. Maybe you're, you know, you, you, you got a 500 horsepower engine that's running at 400 horsepower. But if we tweak this one little cylinder, now all the cylinders firing. are firing. Now you're rocking and rolling. Man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what we do. We tweak and it's all there. Yeah. This is the scary part everybody has it yeah but like dale says you have to have a little paradigm shift you, yeah. you got it quit thinking you know and follow the rest of it like dale said following all the sheep right off the cliff you're just yeah. grazing and grazing yeah. right off the edge of the cliff you got to tweak your thinking a little bit yeah. you know lift your head up and yeah. kind of see what the hell's going on around you but um that's all it is we're yeah. just tweaking the engine and that's why we call it mind body yeah. engineering yeah and you if know there's, because if there's... we're working on your mind your body and the ether that's yeah. it because and... we've done it and I'll be the first to tell you, I don't have nearly, not even close to Dale's education, but you know, I've got experience, you know, just like Dale does. Yeah. And so um, I would rather be taught by someone like myself that's been there and done that. And like, yeah, if I fail, sure, everybody fails, you know? Yeah. And that's a part of being a man. Yeah. Looking yeah. in the mirror and say, yeah, I've fallen on my ass, but I got up. Yeah, yeah, you no, know? fail. Uh, yeah, I can't stand these people that say, oh, I've never failed. 
Even really? You, then you never, haven't pushed hard I've enough. I've never felt with that shit that you need to be coaching me because yeah. I don't know how you could possibly be a grown ass adult and you've never felt. But I'm gonna tell you how you never done a damn thing. Yeah. How does that saying go? Uh, a, a, a knight in shining armor. He's never had his armor tested. Yeah. What, what did Elon Musk say? Right. What did Elon Musk say? If you're not, Same if, if you're not failing, you're not innovating enough. He's like, if my rockets aren't blowing up occasionally, then I'm just not going <laughs> balls to the walls. But he literally be like, so when they'd be like, how would you feel about that failure? He'd be like, fantastic. I, like, I know that, you know, he's like, I go to the point of failure and then I'm like, okay, and then we bring it back 1%. Yeah. No yeah. He's afraid of that word. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, failure is your best yeah. fucking friend, man. Failure is your best fucking friend because it's only absolute if you accept it and go, I failed and now it's finished forever. No, failure just I mean, means. Like, dude, I don't know if you ever read the story about Dyson. Uh, Dyson vacuum. You're. I've read it. You're breaking dude, up. To fail to learn how to be, to know what you're doing wrong to succeed. You know, there's nothing wrong with failing. You chose, Joe, your image froze again. Oh, there you there go. You're guys. back. You're back. You're back. You're saying, yeah, no, it's, yeah, you, you got to. It's, you there, Tom? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, guys, just an FYI, I'm in the boonies. Yeah, you're I'm fine. in the boonies. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, you're I, not, I just I apologize. I'm in the no, boonies right now. Kind of like a little fallback yeah, place. No, no, no. You you should apologize, Joe. Fuck you. Yeah, no. It's um, it's a uh, no, dude. It's if you're not, I mean, dude, you have to get rejected. If I'm if every person I ask to come on my podcast says yes. Then I'm not. Then I'm not aiming big enough. I, I told Dale, fucking. Once I got Dale to come on my podcast, I was like, oh shit, I got a Delta Force guy, and I was like, so I gotta start aiming higher. So what did I do the next day? I sent an email to retired General Mattis, and I got a fat no. But <laughs> I got a response from Mattis's secretary. She said General Mattis laughed and said he's flattered. Okay. Yeah, but I was like, okay, bring it back a little bit. Mattis said no, so I asked someone else, said no, got a little lower, got a scientist from Oxford, and he said, yeah, I'll do your podcast, and I was like, boom, there we go, and now I'm going to start going forward from him. What? You should, you, know, you should ask Matt, hey, man, you going to let a Delta Force guy outperform you? you <laughs> yeah, well, so, yeah. Yeah, well, no, well, the thing is, the thing is, is I sent an email to him, and I was like, hey, I would like to talk to General Mattis for my podcast, and, like, I didn't get a response. And so I was like, shit, well, I was like, he's a paid speaker. So, like, a week went by, I didn't hear back anything. So I was like, so I sent another email, and I said, hey, would General Mattis like to do my podcast? 30 minutes, I won't bring up war, I won't bring up politics. I just want to ask him, how is he staying sane during retirement? Got a response an hour later. And I was like, okay, I'm tweaking it. And it was, he, he General Mass laughed. He said he's flattered, but he's far too busy. He's making bank doing talks. I get it. But I was just like, okay, okay. But then I was like, okay, bring it back a little bit. Now I got to go a little lower. But yeah, no, I should have played on and been like, hey, man, these Delta Force guys said you're a pussy. I'm just, you know, not, <laughs> they're calling you out. So, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. My my uh, my cousins. You know what's so funny though, Tom? Yeah, Tom. You know what's so funny? It's what's just up? like a good analogy too. Is like when guys go to the range and shoot, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to have that pretty little target with a hole shot out of the center. Of it, yeah. Right? And this is what I tell people all the time: you're shooting too freaking slow. Yeah. If you're doing that, you need to speed up your shots. You got to yeah. find that balance between speed and accuracy. Yeah. And I shoot at least once or twice a week. Yeah. I mean, I, I do a lot of shooting. So um, I will shoot and purposely shoot faster and take my rounds outside of the A zone yeah. 
just to dial in my speed and then bring it back a little bit. Yeah. That's how you get better. And that's yeah. a perfect analogy because they'll probably seen it too. These guys want to have these pretty little targets. Like, dude, that's not impressing me. All that tells me is they're shooting slow and you know all the seven fundamentals. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. But when you start spreading out your runs, that's telling me I'm shoot. I'm trying to shoot faster. I'm trying to get target acquisition quicker, trying to get on the trigger faster. That's what you need to be doing. Yeah. When you push yourself past your limits, then you reel yourself back in, push past, reel yourself yeah. back in, and then that limit grows and grows and, and grows. That's how, yeah. You have to go past. Yeah. You gotta go past to yeah. get better. If you're you not, have to. yeah, if you're not getting if you're not if you're not approaching women who are so far out of your league that they're laughing before <laughs> they say no, well then you're not going at the limit. If every girl says, Yeah, sure, I'd like to eat a cup of coffee, well bro, I mean, hey, you know, whatever, golf clap. You're but like if you're not if you're not going up to some dime who looks you up and down and literally just gives you like a visual fuck off, all right. <laughs> Bring it back a little bit. <laughs> Go next girl. Okay. Next. And then finally a girl says, Yeah, I'll let you buy me a drink. And it's like, all right, like we're in business. And it, you know, it's You're the man. He's, but that's but how you gotta true. do it, dude. That's what failure I mean, literally working out. It's what the do mindset, you mindset, Tom? Yeah, lifting weights. Lifting weights to failure. It's literally called to failure. Like failure, what, you, get, you get to exactly. that point. There's a reason they call it that. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, man. The I fuck, didn't make that shit up. Yeah, the fucking pussification of America, man. We had every guy is like, dude, well, I'm so not true. too sure if I want to fail at that thing. I'm like, dude, fail and get up and make it your bitch. Well, I don't know, man. I'd say, you know, I think it's toxic masculinity. Dude, if you use that term, get a noose and fucking hang yourself because you're an embarrassment. Uh, like, <laughs> toxic uh, masculinity. There's too much testosterone uh, in society nowadays. Yeah, that's, well, that's why Joe and I are doing what we do, yeah. man. You know, we're not we're not going to try to save all the beta males yeah. out there. No, they can't be saved. We're here to we're here to help those that want to, you know, want to help themselves, want to be better yeah. versions of themselves. You know what? There's nothing wrong. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. Yeah. Okay? that's just something the left made up. Yeah, that's what the snowflakes made up. Yeah, you know, that's what you know. That's there's no such thing. Yeah, you know, okay. There and masculinity is not. A bad thing okay yeah. there's nothing wrong with being masculine okay yeah. this whole thing what's toxic okay what is toxic anyways you know I, we can talk about toxic femininity all day long yeah i can tell you what's toxic about women if you want to go down that road yeah no the reality is you know you know men should be men women should be women you know yeah Unfortunately, just, we have too many people out there that think oh, let go. let's not go there yeah, i know i know but you know the point is at the end of the day, man, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a man. Um, and there's something you know, wrong with being a woman. It's and here, here's, here's my boy, and here's, here's my, here's how I relate to that. I had a real life example of what, how it can go bad. Um, I won't go into all the details. Um, I won't give you the time, but or the, I'll give you the location. Um, it was in Afghanistan, and we had basically, uh, long story short. It was a big military operation, U.S. military, Afghan National Army, um, my guys. And uh, make a long story short, there was a military, a U.S. Army, MRAP, had been hit in an ambush, took casualties, guys were laying around. They were still getting hit, you know, they're laying out in the open. Um, my, uh, my platoon of guys came around the corner, um, one American and uh, the rest were Afghans. And they looked, they go, damn, you guys are laying out there getting shot up. You know, when you guys are sitting under the tree here, against the wall with your gear off, you know, and your helmet's off, chilling out. And uh, the entire platoon, and he asked him, why, why are you not doing anything? And uh, the response was, hey, it was too hot. It's too hot, man. It's too hot, right? That was the, basically, it's like, hey, man, it's too much trouble to go out and hot right now. Let's wait till the sun goes down. We'll go out and it's cool. And he called up the captain. 
and ask him, sir, what's going on? How come your men are not there get, saving your American buddies, you know? You know, I can't get them to do anything. I can't, you know, it's like, damn, dude, you're totally impotent, you know? And so what ended up happening was our guys went out there and actually pulled these pulled Americans off the objective um, and started uh, providing medical aid for them. And so that was a big stinking deal. And and that wasn't that long ago. And, what, and, and when you look at, okay, this is what we got now. This is the next generation that's out there on the battlefield. Not saying that all... Millennials are bad. I'm not saying that. Oh, there's good dudes out there as well. But uh, this is kind of this is a different mindset, and this mindset has been basically slowly been kind of like introduced to the new generation, even the military. You know, even the military. Yeah. One of the reasons I got out in 2001 was um, basically in, in uh, basic training, you couldn't drill, you couldn't yell at the, the trainees, right? Um, and if you did, they, they actually had a stress card. They pulled out of their pocket, hold it up, and the drill sergeant had to stop yelling at them and leave them alone because you're stressing them out. Okay, that's no shit. Um, they didn't have to pass the physical fitness wow. test in basic training. The idea was, well, when they show up to the unit, your sergeant will train you and you know, get you in shape. And I thought, man, that is just a bunch of crap because I don't have time to get you in shape. Um, and it, it got worse, right? Even on the special forces team, they, they took out the requirement to know how to swim. They're like, well, if you don't know how to swim, when you go to your team, your team sergeant has to teach you how to swim. And I actually had a water team. And I'm like, dude, if you show up to my team today, we might have to deploy tomorrow on a water mission. If you can't swim, I can't use you. So you shouldn't show up to my team untrained. But that was the mindset, right? And uh, I know the, this, you know, the whole gentler army came, you know, starting to come about. And that's where I decided that's it for me. I'm out of here. And this, and that has never really gone completely away, you know. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to say that everybody falls in that category. There's some good dudes out there, some good soldiers out there. But uh, there's a prevailing attitude, and we've all heard it, man. We've all heard the, you know, everybody gets a trophy attitude. You know, there's no, there's no losers. Everybody's a winner, you know. And uh, you know, be kind, be sensitive. You know, come on, man. You know what? It takes rough men, man. It takes mm-hmm. rough men to fight wars. Um, and and you know, and and we're not that generation is lost, man. You know, I have the utmost respect for. Those that fought in World War II, World War One, even the Vietnam and Korean Wars, you know, those guys were still, you know, those were still men's men, you know. And yeah. uh, there's been a, this whole new society, and I don't know where it started. I don't know if it started with Dr. Spock, you know, or, you know, but this whole mindset that we've got to be, you know, we got to be kind and gentle and, they're, you know, we're all equal and, and, you know, and we have to cut the boys' nuts off, you know, so they can be with the girls and, you know. Come on, man! Yeah. You're killing our society. While we're doing that to ourselves, that's not just American society; it's the West. You go look at you look at the East, man. You look at the Russians. Yeah, the Chinese, like you look at Russia, like the North Koreans, and even the Afghans, the Taliban. How they're trained to fight? They're fighting the way we used to be trained yeah. in, the, in the 50s and 60s, man. Yeah. You know when we were turning out pipe hitters. They're they're doing now then now what we were doing then. Yeah. And it's flipped, man. You know, yeah. and so, you know, and people don't think that's a big deal, you know, and the guy, average person that's sitting on the couch, you know, they just can't, they just don't grasp that concept because they're sitting in the cozy living room, you know, and uh, even now there's a coronavirus war going on. I don't know if that's what you want to call it, you know, and, and, there's, and they're like, oh, I'm scared. I hope the coronavirus doesn't invade my house, kill me. And I end up in the hospital and they're hoping to God that somebody's out there fighting the war for them, which they are. You know, you got first responders out there, doctors, soldiers, everybody, yeah. you know, doing their part. But uh, while the, the sheep can sit at home and, and, and judge, right? Yeah. And so, you know, what we want to do, and when I wrote my book, and just and I'll shut my mouth here in a second, you know, You're like fine, I talked about. When I wrote my book, American Badass, you know, 
Um, I got a lot of blowback from, not a lot, but there's some people I got, you know, gave me some, a hard time, you know, actually some good friends of mine were like, you know, um, a real badass doesn't have to tell people he's a badass, you know, everybody knows that. So we're not longer friends. I'm like, wow, but you're an idiot because that was your nickname. The don't judge a book by the cover. But that was right? your well, nickname. That was guys on the show gave you yeah, that nickname. Exactly. But the point of the book was, the book was not to show you that I'm a badass. It was actually, I jokingly tell people is to show you that I'm a good ass. Right? Yeah. And I don't mean in a sexual way, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, the point to all that is, being a badass an American is about being a good patriot, a good, you know, a good citizen, a good soldier, a good father. You know, those those are the things that embody what I think is a badass, right? Mm. Being a badass, being a, a troublemaker, you're not a bad, you're a dumbass, yeah. okay? And you deserve your ass kicked. Yeah. So that's the point to all this thing, right? Is, you know, if you want to be a badass, you know, be a badass by being a good by being a good person, man, a good man. Yeah, what what exemplifies you know a good man? You know, look at look at those that have built this com- country and have made it what it is today. It, it was hard, rough men and women yeah. have yeah. created this country. You know, and it's not the snowflakes of today. They're, yeah. they're tearing it down. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, that's my little rant. No, <laughs> I yeah, badass. by making badass <laughs> in stores now. No, but no, I was gonna say that man is yeah, like <clears throat> yeah, like that. That was literally when you were on that show. That was the nickname yeah. the, the other contestants yeah, gave no, you was American yeah. Bat. Yeah, no. For anyone that's like, who would write a book named American? It's like, dude, it was his nickname. It was that was yeah. that was not yours. But yeah, I was the other thing I was gonna say is, and I've brought this up in past episodes, man. Like, your book is the exact opposite of a. There I was, no shit, you know, covered in dog vomit with night vision on. I haven't slept in a week. No, it was like. So there I am, man, vomiting lobster into my bulletproof vest, and I feel like a dumbass. <laughs> like it's it's the exact opposite of like black ops. It's like no, it is like on one one page it's like black ops, and the next day it's like yeah, man, I felt like such a dumbass. <laughs> like you know, I'm sitting there just like oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> like well, you know what? The reality is, uh, there's a human side to us. Man. Yeah, you know, exactly. me and Joe and all of us, man. We're at the end of the day, we're just human beings, man. Yeah, and uh, that's it. You know, and the reason we can do all the things that we do is because we have this superhuman mindset. Yeah, man, you know. Yeah, we're willing to do the hard thing to be better people, and not only for ourselves but for our country. Yeah, you know, and for our, our fellow citizens and our families and friends. Um, it's all mindset that makes us so different. You know, when I was a when I was a Delta Force operator, I weighed 164 pounds, dude, yeah. soaking wet. Yeah. You know, an average guy was about my size over there. Yeah. We I told you, my my dudes, best shape, you know? I was pushing like 170. Yeah. Was, yeah so you know, and it's like, but we carried a joke, Jerry. We carried a lot of freaking weight at our size. You know, he talked about in one of our uh, uh, web on one of our videos about you know how much weight should you carry in a backpack, you know, related to your you know your body weight percentages you know 20 30 percent but hell he can tell you i i carried at least 50 to 60 percent of my body weight on my back yeah i weighed 164 pounds my 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 rucksack never weighed less than 80 pounds yeah. never you know with all the goddamn batteries and and, and you know gear and crap that I, ammo and stuff and yeah. a little bit of food you know i was a but you know i carried it perfectly i carried it just like i carried it no problem I yeah got part of my body you know yeah Do the mindset and training yeah and, i was good so, anyways i was gonna um, say um I was going to say, yeah, just talking about like the human side of it, it's another thing that comes with failures. I've had so many people ask, they're like, dude, how did you get Comstock on your podcast? And I give them the same answer. I emailed them. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, how did you get them on, man? Uh, I emailed them. Very professional. I said, Mr. Comstock, would you like to do this? What did he say? He said, yeah, LOL. 
And so I said, okay, yeah. And he's like, and I was like, and then was, and that's all gravy. It was like, how'd you I'm get him? Up? Joe, I'm, gonna use, I'm gonna use Joe's word, man. I'm gonna throw you a nugget, a little yeah. golden nugget, right? Yeah. And so here's a little golden nugget. Um, forty percent of the time, if you ask for something, you get it. Yeah. One hundred percent of the time, if you don't ask, you don't get anything. Yeah, you do not right? get Think it. About that you don't get right? it. Yeah. Matt said so, no. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like yep. Dale said yes. Win win. It's like I got one, I didn't get the other. There's more four star generals out there, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. I. Uh, yeah, man. I. Uh, I uh, yeah. I tried to get in contact. I can get you some. I can get you some generals if you want some generals on there. Dude, get me some. Please get me some. Get. I'm trying to get. Yeah, dude. Because I'm, I'm trying to get more and more guests. I can get man. you. I can get you the first black green beret general. Can you? Yeah. Please do. You know, general Butler. Yeah, I get. I could probably get Remo Butler on. Please do. Yeah, Remo Butler. Yeah, yeah. I got to yeah. check with him. But, yeah, uh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Dale. What's up? Hey, he was a seventh group commander, wasn't he, Dale? Uh, yeah, seventh group. Yep. Yeah, of uh, yep. yeah. He, he and I used to box together at the Fort Bragg boxing uh, gym together. No um, shit. You know, we used to box and spar together. We made some videos together. Um, good friends, and uh, still, I'm still in touch Dude, with him. Today, my, but uh, my dad uh, didn't didn't know him well. My dad's from a small town, but um, I think my dad's younger brother, my uncle, is good friends with them. Uh, I know they are in the same social circle, but my, yeah. Mike Durant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't I don't know how to get how to go about getting him on my podcast, but I was like, Yeah, I need to get him on my podcast. But yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's not really other other ones like him, but I don't know how I'd get him. But yeah, no, dude, if yeah. Anyone, yeah. Y'all send him my way. Get some fucking people and send them my way. Um right. Yeah, man. So Tom, you watched my show. Yeah. Did you watch my show? Dual Survivor, no. Never uh, it. I'm sorry. Did you? Are you? Are you angry? Oh, that's it. That's it. Of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice talking. Yeah, because dude, everybody relates to me to this damn show. And what I tell people, it's like like Dale says all the time. That's just one step in my life. It yeah. was a job. Yeah. You know, and I transition into it and out of it. And like, you, you can't you can't relate people to like certain things and like people relate to Dale and I being in spec ops and all that stuff. But like Dale said, we're people, man. That was just a job. Yeah. It was a unique job. And yeah. it shaped us to who we are and taught us how to be, you know, have that winning mindset. But um, it's, um, it, it's the whole idea of, um, you know, like when I talk to people, not judging a book by its cover, we already talked about that. Um, you got to be very careful uh, in life. And the whole thing I'm bringing up here is be very careful in life. You know, as you climb the ladder of success, who you step on to get to that ladder. Cause guess what? They're Those coming. asses you're stepping on are the same asses are going to kiss on the way back down. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and I talk about this in my book a little bit as well. Um, What's your book? You know, you got to be very careful. One chapter is just on business. What's your book? One's on relation. Yep. What's your book? Yeah, so my book came out. It's coming out on uh, May tenth. It's called Loan Operator. All right. It's on Amazon right now. Um, it's also is it uh, online be, and is it going to be on Audible? And it's basically an autobiography. First, it took me about a year to write it. Um, but it's an autobiography. But it's also lessons learned. Hmm. You know, me growing up, and you know, I was bullied in high school, and all this stuff, like how I moved through a lot of tragedy in my life, and got in the military, and tragedy here, and, tra and how do you work through that kind of stuff and stay mm. focused? And um, I, there's a lot of insight to how I grew up, and like 
my mindset of when I was like seven years old, wanting to be in the military and wanted to be that commando and all that. And so, um, and it goes all through, you know, the show. I talk about a couple stories in the show and then, and then I talk about business. I talk about relationships and stuff like that, but uh, which is really funny because uh, my the publishing company, I told him, I said, man, I really don't want to talk about relationships. I really want to steer clear. And they're like, you need to have that in there. You've got female fans and yeah. stuff. So I, I don't get into the to the dirty, the X-rated stuff, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I keep it PG-13, yeah. you know, because either young men and young women may yeah. be reading it. So I keep it very PG. But uh, yeah, man, it comes out May 10th. And uh, and it's great because Dale's got a book about the same thing. Like, yeah. so it, it, it segues great into what we're doing we're both published authors yeah you know and and i've read i mean i have a copy of dale's book autographed copy and i've read it you know I've, and i've actually highlighted things in it that's great gold nuggets and my, my book's got a few in there too so um but yeah come may 10th Fuck um yeah. and i've got some pretty good um i actually sent out uh, like 15 copies to different people and i've got some really good uh reviews Fuck some, yeah. some pretty high powered people that'll be uh on the back of the book and um but yeah man it was uh it was a lot harder than i thought actually um because i'm not you know i didn't do you know i'm not uh, uh an english major yeah but um i had a, a guy help me uh liam wolf and uh he's a former navy intel guy so what i was talking about i didn't have to explain to him what words meant you know intel and mm-hmm. you know exfil and infill like he already knew it all so he basically i wrote the book and then he kind of put it together for me like hey you need something here yeah. like he went from here to here what happened yeah. you know so he was a huge help okay. um but uh but yeah man it um it's it's i'm, I'm real proud of it man i oh, never yeah. thought i'd be a published author i didn't think i'd be one of my accolades yeah but um yeah pretty pretty proud of it yeah yeah man yeah well yeah i never fucking thought i would have started a podcast um yeah you guys uh you guys trying to keep this podcast going you want to keep talking, or you guys got stuff to do? Yeah, I think. How long do you normally do it for, bro? Uh yeah. Well, yesterday I did one for thirty minutes, and I've done one with some guys, Air Force guys, four and a half hours. So it's it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joe's got to do a coaching call here a bit. All right. Yeah, I actually have a coaching call in about uh, twenty five minutes. All right. All right. But, um, well, um. Yeah. Let's um. You fuckers want to do another one sometime? Yeah, we'll do another one. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. Yeah, man. Dale, I'll send you my schedule. Um okay. let's let's do it again. Um Yeah, man. I got I got too many fucking questions, but uh Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thanks for doing it, guys. I will your book's not out yet, so Dale I'll link your book and um I have your tier one operator uh link, so I'll put that up there too. But um or sorry, tier one tier Lo- one performance coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loan, loan operator, operator, tier one performance coaching. Um there you go. Fuck yeah. So uh, let's definitely do another one. Oh, right. here's and here's the quote to leave everyone with. I was going to say about uh, using you guys for um, for training your mind and, you know, life coaching. There's a quote that I always love, and it's never trust never trust a skinny chef, right? Because that's a guy that hasn't had his own cooking. So, yeah, yeah. We all are perfect. You know, I, you, know you can get leadership from you because it's not just – you guys want to be number one? Welcome to Tommy's leadership class. It's like, no, you're two fucking badasses. So, yeah. You want girls? You want money? Yeah. You want girls? You want money? Well, call this number now. You can have a cheesies and smiles. Me? No, 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 no. If you're a, if you're a limp dick, spineless beta male, go do those. But uh, 
If you want to grab your nuts, do tier one performance coaching. Dale Comstock, Joe Teddy, thank you very much for doing the podcast. Right. Let's do another one, guys. Sure. Thanks, All right. guys. All right. Take care. Peace. Peace.